Own Your Truth with life strategist Laura T. Real advice for regular people. Now, here's Laura. Hello and welcome to Own Your Truth, where we're talking real advice for regular people. I'm Laura T. Thank you so much for listening. I know there's lots of ways you can spend your time, and I'm always grateful you're going to spend the next hour with me. I am honored to interview Paul Richards of California Guitar Trio. A little background on Paul and the California Guitar Trio. Paul Richards is a Utah native, now living in L.A. with his wife, Stacy. He studied at the University of Utah's jazz guitar program with a focus on rock, blues, jazz, and folk. During his time at the University of Utah, he was recommended to attend a guitar craft seminar, which he did, and we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about this during the hour. It ultimately had him or inspired him to leave university before finishing and move to England for a year and a half to study guitar with the instructor of the program. That's where he met his bandmates and California Guitar Trio was born. Now, the California Guitar Trio has played together for over 28 years, has released 16 albums, and been streamed over 65 million times on Pandora. The group is known to establish a really special uh, personal connection with its audiences through their dazzling music, captivating stories, and playful humor that allow concertgoers to feel like they're a part of the show. So I am excited to welcome Paul here tonight. Hi, Paul. Hello. Thank Hi. you so Hi, much. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yes, happy to be here. You know, before, you know, I talk to a lot of people who have limiting beliefs about what it takes to live a passion-driven career, and yet you seem to jump into music with both feet at a young age and never looked back. Yes. Yes. When I was uh, 13, 14 years old, I had two older brothers that played guitars, and they really inspired me at a young age and taught me uh, guitar. Uh, the very first things I learned on guitar were from my, from my older brothers. And at I, around that same time, I realized that, that playing guitar was something very special to me, and I think after maybe attending a few big concerts, like I remember I saw there was a band called Rush that I saw at the mm-hmm. Salt Palace at maybe 14 years old, and I made a special connection with the that concert, and somehow I knew that that's what I wanted to, to do. Uh, and there were several things that happened uh, around that time. When I was 15, I played in my first real rock band and we played at high school dances and uh, getting paid to play my guitar I, I was just at 15 years at old 15 uh, uh, yes I, I knew that that was what I wanted to do wow and so did you continue to play with your brothers did you did, when you formed the rock band did you go so you know on your own with friends well, so at 15, we were all in high school, and it was just friends that I had made it in high school. And my brothers continued to teach me, although I started taking lessons from different guitar teachers around that time as well. And so the, the high school band only lasted for about a year or two. It was a band called Black Diamond. We played all sorts of, you know, we played at an amusement park, 
in Farmington, Utah for an entire summer. And so that was the wow. basis for my live concert playing at, yeah, at age 15. Um, and then when I graduated from high school, I started working at a guitar shop in Centerville, Utah, called Guitar City. Okay. And when I was working there at that store, I met a guitar teacher named Don Ayers, who he now lives in San Francisco, but he's the one that encouraged me to go on the Robert Fripp Guitar Craft courses. And he was an amazing teacher and really helped me take my guitar playing seriously. Okay. So, you know, I find, I mean, like I said, you just jumped right in. I often hear when I'm working with high school and college age students, you know, they describe their passion and then it's often followed by, uh, you know, but my parents say I won't make any money doing it. So, you know, I'm going to get a business degree or I'm going to get a marketing degree or um, was your family always supportive of your musical goals? Well, I would say they were always supportive. My parents were always supportive, but I remember when I told my father I was quitting college to to move to England to study music, that was a tough discussion. And you know, my father's a physician, and uh-huh. certainly he was hoping I would follow in his footsteps. But even though he didn't agree with the decision, he was still supportive, which is really amazing. And uh, over the years, I think he's, you know, he's obviously he's realized that I, this is something I was important to me and that I needed to do. So it was great to have his support, even though he didn't agree with it. Wow. And, and you know, there's, it's, you, you talked about parents encouraging their kids to get business degrees. You know, that's actually not a bad idea when having uh, a, say, a business degree along with a music degree would be very advantageous to being a musician because a lot of what I do is working with the music business. Is on the business side. That's well. Yes. So let's we'll talk a little bit about that um, because I think that again, when we look at people following their passion, that's such good advice. I w- wanted to touch back on the l- little bit of um, you deci- making this decision. Like you're going to leave college. You've got to tell your parents that this is what you want to do. Are, are you nervous? How how do you how do you make that decision at such a young age? Uh, at that time, I felt like that it was something that I really needed to do. So it, no matter what, I was going to find a way to make it happen. And luckily, my you know, parents were uh, willing to go along with it, even though they, they didn't agree. But it was more of a feeling that you know, being a mu- becoming a musician is not an easy thing and not an easy choice to make. And it was more about that uh, I felt it was almost a calling Mm -hmm. in a way, and that I didn't feel like I would be happy doing anything else. And so I took every decision I could to be able to do what I wanted to do. And I I was searching out opportunities. And like this guy, uh, Don Ayers, that I found that he was the best guitar teacher uh, uh, around in my area at that time, and he in turn uh, introduced me to, you know, encouraged me to take guitar lessons from Robert Fripp, who is one of the best guitar teachers 
in the world. So it it was really taking these leaps and finding these opportunities that would propel me forward as being a a full-time musician. That's fantastic. And I find it, you know, as someone who works at helping people get the mindset to be open and resourceful, I hear that there were, you know, every time there was a roadblock or some challenge, you were just determined to get past it. Yes, yes. It was really, uh, and still is, you know, saying yes to every opportunity that looks like it can be helpful in your decision to do whatever it is that you want to do. At any point in time when you're saying yes, is there any concern about being able to support yourself financially? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that, you know, that going, I think that be, being a musician is, you know, maybe even harder in a way now. In some ways it's easier, in some ways it's harder. And we can talk about that more as we go along. But Great. it's the the decision to become a musician is definitely not one that you're it, it very few people make a lot of money there is some people that make a lot of money uh, are playing music but uh, in it, the chance to be able to do that is there's you know it's the the one percent of musicians are the ones who are really making a lot of of money doing it, then the rest of us find ways and find things that we can do. And I also have a very supportive wife, and mm-hmm. she also works in the music business, and uh, she's been extremely supportive over the years. And when I first started uh, with the California Guitar Trio, I was still working as a, as a salesman at the guitar store in okay. Utah, and I would commute back and forth. I would go to Los Angeles for a few months and, you know, make nothing playing music. And then I would go back and work at the guitar store for several months and then go back and forth like that. And um, we did all of our own booking for our first eight years together. We did everything. Okay. Um, And uh, so in the the beginning, we made very little money. So it it was hard. It was a, a commitment to be able to to hang in there, uh, even when it looked like it, 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 we couldn't afford to go keep going forward, something would happen that would allow us to keep going. That's great. If if you thinking back, if you could change any part of those early years in music, what would it be? Oh, wow. You know, I don't know if if I have any regrets at all, because we've had such a a great career and many, many highlights over the years. Um, We have a a great agency that we've been working with for uh, almost 18 years now that that do a great job of taking care of us. And maybe I would say if we found a manager or management company that could have helped take on more of the things that I have to do as kind of the default band manager, that would be one thing that I would say, you know, might have been 
helpful uh, overall. But, you know, in general, I really don't have any regrets. And that that in and of itself is just such a unique gift, is to be able to look at your career in music and say that you have no regrets. Let's talk a little bit about the music business. You know, you had mentioned earlier that um, in some ways it's easier to get into the business, in some ways it's harder. In what ways do you see it being easier and harder from your perspective? Well, now... There are so many ways that independent musicians can release their own music through Spotify and YouTube. You know, in the past, you almost had to have some kind of record deal or distribution deal. And now, that we, the music, any musician on the in the world can release their music and have it instantly be sent out. Uh, now, the 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 hard thing about that is that now we have everyone releasing things. So YouTube and Spotify are really, there's, you know, uh, inundated with millions and millions of new albums coming out. And so the trick is to, how do you sort your way through all of this? And uh, combined with the fact that the streaming platforms do not, pay very they don't pay enough with on the royalties the royalty percentages are much too low and so it makes it hard to for musicians to earn a living from their radio play now so uh, in cd sales are really almost gone right uh, you know, people under 30 don't buy CDs. There's a few people who still have CD players, but that's kind of going away. So the bulk of our income now comes from our live performances. So being a musician at, who uh, earns a living really means being on tour and being on the on the road now. Um, so you need to be good at being on the road. And uh, also, you need to have some business skills unless you can afford to pay a, a manager or a business manager to take care of those things. When I became a guitarist, I had no idea that I was going to have to learn QuickBooks. And right. so I do all the accounting for the band uh, and a lot of the management work. So uh, I've been, uh, I spend a fair amount of time on QuickBooks doing the accounting <laughs> You could you have multiple talents, right? You can be an accountant. You can do some, you know, some guitar playing, a little bit of everything. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's why I would, before I was saying that it would certainly be to one's advantage to have a degree in business or some other uh, kind of line of work in addition to music. You know, I have a, a friend in Seattle. His name is Steve Ball, and he is a, a Microsoft director, and he's worked at Microsoft his, for most of his career. And he is also a full-time musician, and he does these music projects. At, um, the California Guitar Trio was just in Seattle a couple weeks ago with him. And he's found a way to be uh, uh, to work a full-time job and be a full-time musician. So I think that in the way things work nowadays, that's actually not a a bad thing to do, but you know it requires uh, a lot of work and a lot of e- uh, effort. He's got an amazing work ethic that makes it possible. 
those are the stories that I love to hear. Um, and, and the theme that continues to come back is this idea of commitment. I mean, if you're working two jobs, you really have to be committed to your passion for music, to to work just the, the number of hours it would take to be successful at yes. both. That's right. Exactly. What, what do you think has made you and the California Guitar Trio successful for 28 years? Well, as I mentioned before, we the first eight years we did everything ourselves. You know, we booked all of our shows. At our our first year in Los Angeles, we would just get on the phone and call every venue that we could, and we uh, just we performed as much as possible, and that was a huge key to our success. Is and meeting people and. Uh, having new opportunities came from getting out there and performing. It was, it, you know, it's one thing to call somebody up on the phone and say, Hey, can we come you know, play a concert at your place? But once we would go and perform there and they heard us play, it opened many mm. doors and opportunities. So that, you know, that also meant that we had to be really good. So it wasn't uh, just the getting out there and, doing things, it meant that things needed to be a very high quality at the same time. So a combination of those two things, and those things opened some doors for us. For example, in 1995, we got invited to be the opening act for a band called King Crimson, and they're, in the guitar world, they're very famous, and we did over 130 concerts on a world tour with them. And wow. That that created a lot of fans for us because we were playing big concerts of two or 3,000 seat venues every night. And that was kind of a turning point for us from uh, getting paid nothing to play at venues <laughs> to the point where we could actually sell tickets and begin to earn a living doing it. And And soon after that tour, we were able to convince an agency to take us on and we've been working uh, with SRO agency now for many years and they help book all of our concerts for us now. Well, so you've talked about being on the road and being out getting out there being such an important part of making it in the music business. How much time do you spend on the road each year? Uh, almost half of the year, but it's not done all in one stretch. Uh, for example, this month we're going out for just about a week-long uh, tour at the end of September, and then we uh, go home for a few weeks. And then in October we've got two weeks of touring up in Canada and in the Northwest, and then come home for a few weeks and then repeat that process. It, sometimes we have longer breaks, and you know, sometimes we have little bit longer tours but we try not to keep the tours too long because you know we're all we all have families and we all have uh other things going on you know besides just touring all the time so uh two weeks two to three weeks is a good amount of time for a tour when it starts to get like five weeks six weeks you know you hear these bands that go on the road for eight you know weeks or you know, months and months on the end and that's also when you start to hear about bands breaking up and it, it just non-stop touring like that is can get really tiring and uh, cause a lot of stress on the musicians and 
it's something that we earned, uh, we learned early on to, if we can keep the touring segment shorter, then it's, it, our lifestyle remains a little healthier. Fantastic, fantastic. So you had, you talked about all the different hats you have to wear in the business. I mean, you mentioned accounting. I hear sales. There's um, booking. All of those different pieces. I read that uh, you used to spend eight to ten hours a day just dealing with agency work, you know, record labels, and the things that go unseen. Do you still, at this point in your career, spend that much time on the business end of things? Yes, there are still uh, days where I'm spending eight to 10 hours doing the the business side of things, but it varies. It depends on when we have a tour coming up, there might be, you know, one week where I'm devoting that week to getting everything ready, you know, for the tour on the the business side, you know, connecting with our our agency and all the venues. And then the next week I'll need to shift the amount of time that I'm spending on the business into time playing music and playing the, the guitar so when I show up on tour I'm ready to play the concert so it's a balance and that balance always shifts right so you know, before a tour my practice time will increase and the amount of time on business will decrease well, I, I love that you mentioned that need to shift because when I talk to people, people are often talking about, you know, I'm looking for a, a balanced lifestyle. And it really is a counterbalance, right? You shift your percentages yes. based on where Absolutely. your focus needs to be. And at this point, you, you must be a master at that because when you're going on tour, it is so important that you be at your top of the game, essentially. Yes, yeah. And it it also allows you to kind of take a break from – the other things, you know, take a break from the business things and then focus on playing. Mm. And then you know, at some point take a break from playing and then come back. When you come back to the the other thing, it's, you can come back with a, a fresh mind and ready to, to work on, on things again And after you've given it, given it a little bit of a break. Well, fantastic, because what I'd love to do right now is share your music with my listeners. Um, each Great. Each week, I feature a musical artist of the week, and obviously, we couldn't let this week go by without featuring uh, the California Guitar Trio. So... You know, Paul, you gave me a list of songs to choose from for tonight's show. I chose Glass Tango from your latest okay. album, In a Landscape. Great. Can you tell us yes. a little bit about the song and your collaboration with the Montreal Guitar Trio? And I think yeah. there's some exciting news around this album. Well, the, the, yes. The, uh, there's The interesting story behind that particular piece is um, uh, my bandmate, Bert Loms, came to Los Angeles to do a writing session together. And we both had some uh, different ideas that, uh, that were, you know, com- completely unrelated. And we, uh, Bert had this idea of, that was almost uh, more like a tango, like, uh, you know, Astor Piazzolla style tango music. And, and I, I had some ideas that sounded a bit more minimalist uh, style, like Philip Glass, and we had tried uh, putting the, those ideas together, and it actually worked. And so that's the basis that you hear from Glass Tango is this combination between the more minimalist Philip Glass style and the uh, Astro Piazzolla Tango style music. And so this, uh, Bert and I wrote that tune together, and then we ended up recording it 
for this album that we just released earlier this year with the Montreal Guitar Trio. And with the Montreal Guitar Trio, they've been around not quite as long as California Guitar Trio, but, uh, and you know, the Guitar Trio is a thing. There's an Amsterdam Guitar Trio, there's a Brazilian Guitar Quartet. So in the guitar world, that that's a, a known thing. And the Montreal Guitar Trio is the most well-known guitar trio in Canada. So okay. we met them a few years back and ended up deciding to do some shows with them. And now we're going on 10 years playing together. And this album that we just uh, released is uh, is on the first round voting for the upcoming Grammy nominations. So, so we're exciting. excited about that. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, this, uh, this album turned out so much fun. We recorded the album in a small church north of Montreal, this church by a lake in, really? out in the woods. Yes, in this remote area. And it was uh, the perfect place. And I feel like you can hear the sound of us, the six of us playing our guitars in this old you know, 200-year-old church there in the woods by the lake. Well, it was really difficult to pick a song. I'm, I'm now that I hear the story. I'm even happier that this was the one that I picked. So let's let our listeners listen to Glass Tango.
Wow. Welcome back from the sweet sounds of California Guitar Trio. You know, I mentioned earlier that you've been with the California Guitar Trio uh, for 28 years, and I read that you've performed somewhere near 2,000 gigs. What are the benefits of working and traveling together with a band for, for that long, and what are the challenges? Well, the, the benefits are that over that span of time and performing together, that the ex- amount of experience that we gain through playing music together that much is really, uh, I think, apparent in the, the, the way that we're performing together now. It's, uh, you know, our work has always been about, you know, what what can we do together as a group and showcasing our work together as a group. So as that's developed over the years, it's like that. I think we have a very deep connection in the way that we listen to each other and play with each other that you can only get from performing almost 2000 concerts in 28 years together. Mm. So that, and you're, Doing that number of concerts—that's uh, one of the things that uh, also uh, created new opportunities for us. All the musicians that we've uh, met over the years, and uh, the friends that we've made. And uh, for example, uh, we are just starting to work on a new California Guitar Trio album, and the music on this album is looking like it's going to be uh, largely from contributions of of music written by friends that we've made over the years from our travels around the world. And we have uh, some music already that we're putting together from, there's uh, one uh, composer from Argentina, there's uh, another uh, friend from Italy, and so we're compiling this music uh, written by these friends that we've made over the years. So that's just one small example of what's available to us now um, after you know, 28 years. Now, the other part of your question, the challenge is, uh, of course, traveling that much is there's always going to be challenges with traveling. And uh, we become very good travelers and really great at traveling over the years. But, you know, there's always going to be problems you know there's delays at the airport there are things that that happen when you're out traveling and uh, sometimes the weather doesn't cooperate you know we'll be late uh this winter we're going to be up in canada in the middle of the winter when it it could be here we did the same thing last year and there was 10 feet of snow on the ground so things like that and uh the thing that really keeps us going is the music and the concerts we might feel tired from the constant motion and traveling and for me one of the hardest things to deal with is staying in a different hotel room every night when you do that for three weeks in a row it's really unsettling you know you uh Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and think I'm in the hotel room from the previous night. And right. Things like that. And, you know, it can be very disorienting and uh, unsettling. And then the constant motion of, you know, driving. So our schedule is usually we, you know, get up early and either drive or fly to the next place where we're performing. And then 
uh, if it's a short drive and on the same day of a gig, we have a sound check in the afternoon and then the concert of the night and then the next go back to the hotel and then the next day do the same thing, you know, drive maybe 200 or 300 miles and then to the next city and repeat the process. And so our tours are a combination between driving and flying. Okay. And, and we have rented vehicles that we that we use throughout the tours. And so that I'd say that's the biggest challenge. It's just that constant traveling. And after 28 years, that does get a little bit tiring. <laughs> and, and so with all of that travel and with all of that movement, do you have any sort of rituals to prepare for a show, whether it's before you head out on the road or even before you're about to perform? Yes. Yeah, before every tour, three of us get together at least for uh, at the minimum of a day or two and work on new music and rehearse the music we're going to play for that particular tour. So we always are keeping things, uh, we, we always continually are working on new things and also keeping the, the difficult things that we play, you know, uh, keeping our fingers moving. So, uh, keep the repertoire alive and so that rehearsals before each tour is very important and then before each concert we always have uh, some rehearsal time and a lot of time that's just spent uh, on individual practice and which want we'd like to try to, to practice at least from you know one to two hours a day before a concert and now with a rigorous travel schedule that doesn't always work but that's the goal is to get at least some personal practice and group rehearsal before the concerts. And that just keeps everything tight between us. And, and also, uh, because some of the pieces that we play are challenging, we need to always keep working on those as well. Right. Paul, I wanted to ask about the guitar craft method because in doing some research, um, I had watched um, a PBS documentary, or listened to anyway, and it, yes. it, it the whole concept was fascinating to me. Would you explain it to everyone? Yes, yeah, so Guitar Craft comes from Robert Fripp, and Robert Fripp is the guitarist for King Crimson. In the mid-80s, Robert Fripp started these guitar seminars called Guitar Craft, and the initial courses were held at a retreat center near Washington, D.C., uh, just a, a, a few miles outside of, of Washington, D.C., and West Virginia. And the the initial courses were just a one-week-long, what he called an introductory course. Um, so now, those that are not familiar with Robert Fripp, I can just mention that he is known as one of the most innovative guitarists of our time and uh, Rolling Stone magazine includes him on their list of top 100 guitarists of all time and uh, so in the, the guitar world and the progressive rock music world he is uh, known as an extraordinary guitarist and you know uh, one of the people in the world that I was very excited that I could study music with him so he, one of the things that's interesting about him is he has really put a lot of thought behind 
the way he he does things and the way everything from the way he holds the guitar the the use of the right and left hand uh, so a lot of technical things but one of the main focuses on the guitar craft courses had to do with the way of working together as a group and he had all these different exercises that were designed to help us to learn to listen to each other and work better together as a group. Um, For instance, uh, we have this technique called circulation that I I know that you wanted to to talk about. Yes, I was uh, so fascinating. Yes, circulation is a perfect example of one of the the ways Robert Tripp taught us to learn how to, to work together. And so with circulation, we take a, a, a melody, and the melody, each, while sitting in a circle, Robert Fripp would give the instruction to play, for each player to play one note in succession and pass your note to the person to your right. So one by one, each player plays a note, and that creates a melody as the note goes around the, the circle. Uh, so what this does is... If, with each player playing one note, you know, it's kind of like the musical wave. Every, all mm-hmm. of everybody's done a wave or seen the wave happen, where the, the main idea with the wave is that every person in that stadium or wherever you are doing the wave, every person in there is part of that, the wave that's going across. And you have to wait for your, just your right time to stand up and wave your arms. So this is the basic concept of circulation, but done with musical notes. So when we play each, in turn, play one note, we uh, are contributing equally to this melody uh, that's being produced by the entire group. Does that make sense? It, absolutely. And what, I, what really intrigued me about it was how closely you must have to listen to each other in order to create a melody from one note. Exactly, because you have to be ready... Uh, to play your note at just the precise time, and you have to be able to play your note at just the, the precise time and play the right note that, that goes in, in that spot in your, your part of the, the circulation. So it's, uh, it's very easy for guitar players to, to get wrapped up in their own playing and focus just on their own playing and lose their attention uh, on what's happening around them and you know guitar players are often known as having big egos so one of the things that happens is you get you know, focused on just only on what you're doing now with circulation we have to be aware of the entire group and we have to be aware of how what we do affects the entire group if we play our note too early or too late it's going to throw the whole thing off so it it really is a immediate way of seeing how what what we do affects those in the group and you know and i think in a way you know life is really like that that, that what we do in general affects those ar- around us and no matter what it is that we're doing whether we're aware of it or not so this is becomes also uh, a, a bigger idea that if we can learn to listen to each other playing, doing the circulation, 
maybe it will bring some quality into our life of being aware of what we're doing and how what we do affects others in our lives in general. Well, that part really, really um, pulled at me in terms of that listening and and how can we apply this to to business and life. When you look at your performance just in, in reading, and I'm excited to experience it, in pulling the audience in, is that part is is that training part of what you you include in in a performance by pulling your audience in the way that you do? Yes, it's related because I think that when we when the music has a certain quality, that is go- going to help draw people in and and find things interesting. And you know, playing instrumental instrumental acoustic guitar music, it, one of the challenges is to find a way that we can keep the audience interested for a whole 90-minute concert. So as far as drawing people in, we I think that putting these this quality and attention that we can into the music definitely helps people draw people in and uh, when we do play do that, uh, we have several pieces that we do that in that circulation form. And whenever we play that live, it absolutely draws people in. I think, you know, I, I usually introduce the piece and explain a little bit about what's going on. And during when we're playing the circulation piece, I can feel the audience being drawn into what's happening. And so it's it's not just the three of us on stage circulating, it's how that circulating on stage is affecting everyone in the room. Wow, wow, that's fantastic. So we have just a couple of minutes left, and I wanted to try to get in one more question because I feel like I could ask you a million questions. Um, What, you know, looking at just the level of guitar that you play, and obviously I'm not an experienced musician. I just know when I, I, I get a feeling when I hear mastery. Do you feel like at this point in your career you've mastered your art? Well, I think, you know, the mastery is a, a big word, and I, uh, so I would say that there are certain elements of what we do that we have mastered, but I, I don't want to get too complacent about that, so because we're always trying to learn new things and continue to get better. So if I already think, oh, I've mastered that, then I might want to just kick back and not work on things uh, as much anymore. So I I prefer to be careful about saying that we've mastered things because I prefer to continue working and creating new things and uh, and getting better all of the time. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for sharing your time and